Fuck you, NCAA. Isn't it something that the California Senate has passed a bill allowing student-athletes to have endorsements? Hmm. As we welcome you to this 390th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. A lot of things to talk about and uh, kind of an open forum version of Unscripted. We've spent a lot of time in our first couple of episodes talking about weeks one and two of the National Football League season. We've got other things to talk about, and we're going to start this 390th episode with a, I think, a very controversial um, ruling, if you will, starting in the state of California. I have believed in my heart of hearts for a long time that college athletes deserve to get some kind of compensation. Um, This is driven more, of course, toward football and men's basketball Uh, participants, and I don't mean to sound sexist or whatever out there, ladies, but those are the two programs that drive most athletics departments' budgets is, you know, 100,000 plus for a Saturday football game or, you know, 20,000 plus at an arena full for basketball during the winter months at the Power Five conferences. Uh, No disrespect to women's basketball, but outside of maybe the University of Connecticut and Notre Dame and maybe the state of Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes have always had a celebrated women's basketball program. You don't see barns that are full for women's basketball games. And if I'm being sexist, go screw yourself because I'm just telling the truth. But this is very controversial and it's gotten a lot of talk, not only in podcasts and talk shows and the three or four people that still read newspapers, but Again, the California Senate, I I believe this was on Friday, California Senate passes a bill allowing student-athletes to have endorsements. They're calling it the Fair Pay to Play Act, and it now moves to the desk of California Governor Gavin Newsom, and if he signs it, he signs it into law. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. Holy shit. The floor is yours. If they passed a law saying the NCAA has to pay their athletes. That I I could understand, at least them resisting, because that's a massive sea change. And even though they deserve to be paid, you know, that's that like, oh man, you have to completely relook at finances from the ground up and and how do they negotiate this and how are they is it set and are there agents? And like it it would be a massive paradigm shift. And I think we're gonna see something like that someday. It's gotta get there, I think, at some point. But I understand that even if you're not a greedy, selfish piece of shit like everyone at the NCAA actually is, (laughs) you still could have a legitimate claim to say, well, okay, this is really tough for us to actually have to pay athletes out of our own pockets. Fine. But to then restrict them from even getting their own endorsements... How could you possibly have a problem with it, with NCAA athletes getting endorsed? How how could any person with a straight face even pretend they're not just a selfish, greedy piece of shit and then actually say to people, oh, we don't think athletes should be able to get their own endorsements? From- Tim Tebow. Well, but yeah, but Tim Tebow's saying it because that's how what he went through. Right, I get it. And he doesn't want others to have to to have an easier time of it than he did. And that's just being selfish, which 
Mr. Jesus boy. Yes. Yeah, you fucking selfish piece of shit. Like, give me a fucking break. Unbelievable, Mr. You know, holier, the ultimate holier than thou, right. Tim Tebow. Any goodwill anyone should have had for you should have just gone out the window by seeing how selfish you are and how self-centered. Give me a break. Anyway, but how could anyone say that if a privately run company is willing to give their money to a private citizen who just happens to play unpaid college sports that you're lucky to have them playing for your shitty communist organization uh that you could actually who the fuck do you think you are you think you have the ability to step into this private sector transaction and say that oh i don't think you should be able to pay you with your own money unbelievable the ego on this is infinite you can't possibly even wrap your head around this kind of stuff i it never even would have occurred to me if i was running the ncaa it wouldn't even have occurred to me to even think to say oh i don't think you should be able to give this other person money what what economic system do you think you're operating what society what country what planet do you think you're on it makes no sense at all and this is just another thing i'm learning about college sports which i've never really known at all until unscripted and now i still don't know nearly as much as mike or as a lot of people who follow this stuff but every every rock i i, I overturn i see a bunch of just festering maggots underneath and it's unbelievable and the old stupid men who run the ncaa need to be turfed and i love this i mean the fact that we needed of all people we needed california politicians to do the right thing like this i mean unless you're talking ronald reagan like this is a this is just some sort of punchline for just shitty lazy weirdo left-wing people who don't understand economics and you needed them to school the NCAA on how the fuck money works on earth fuck you NCAA all I got to say, and I, I just love it when he gets pumped up like this, and he's absolutely right. If the NCAA could have come up with a different way to systematically pay their athletes, because let's, let's be honest here, folks. I don't care what anybody says. I'll take Michigan as an example and Khaki Boy. There aren't 120,000 people that, that line the street seats at Michigan Stadium to watch Jim Harbaugh. They're there to watch the athletes, and those athletes should be able to get compensated in some way, shape, or form. The state of California showed some initiative, and I support this a thousand percent. The swimmer at the University of California is not going to see the benefits of this, but you know what? It's a step in the right direction. And if these guys have to go out and solicit or whatever they have to do, but at least they have the ability, they have the mechanism now, at least in the state of California, they have the mechanism to at least get compensated for all the work that they put in. And you're already seeing it. I can't remember what state. I wish I could. I saw it this morning briefly before I came over here to Chris's place. I saw that there was another state that's looking at this uh, pay-for-play uh, act to initiate it in their state. And all we needed was one. And now that we've got the one, and again, I'm right when Chris's corner, I'm surprised as hell it was the state of California, but God bless them. And Tim Tebow, all I got to say to you is go work on your swing and go back and play for the AA Mets next year, you fucking loser. You're pissed off because this didn't come around in your day and age when you were winning national championships at the University of Florida and you would have had endorsements coming out of your back end if it had been at the university or, in the, excuse me, in the state of Florida. 
You're a hypocrite, young man, and I have no purpose for you anymore. Go back with your holier-than-thou attitude and go screw yourself. Let's go to another topic. My blood is roiling, roiling, and that's not good for a, with a heart condition. <laughs> Both Chris and I got a kick out of this. And it just, you know, it just shows the way things are going this day and these day and age. And, you know, I don't mean to always talk about the gloom and the dread and the gloom and doom of, of the end of society as we know it today. But you know what? This was stupid from the get-go. A couple weeks ago, we reported here on Unscripted that the Ohio State University had filed a trademark or had filed a uh, whatever to trademark the word the or the or whatever you want to say, but they wanted to put it in front of Ohio State University. You know how all their athletes always say, well, uh, I am uh, playing outside linebacker. doesn't matter. It's Nick Bosa from the Ohio State University. Just like the U when they talk about Miami and all the other blowhards that are in college sports. But the United, the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes took it one step further, and they filed for the copyrights to the word the or the. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but thankfully, thankfully, somebody in Washington, D.C. denied this request. So happy to see that. I mean, if you allow that to happen, what's next? I mean, come on. What is next? You can still say it if you're an Ohio State athlete, but you don't have to trademark it. That's ridiculous. Also, I found it funny, another uh, guy that's always in the news, one of my favorites, the best basketball player still, LBJ, LeBron James, he was denied a trademark this week as well. He was denied the trademark Taco Tuesday. Now that obviously would have been in that would have been a fight with Taco Bell, no question, or you know those taco companies. Taco Time. Taco or... Time, exactly right. That would have been a problem, but I am just appalled that somebody at Ohio State thought that they could get the word "the" or "the" trademarked. Go screw yourself! Come on, guys, you don't have bigger problems at Ohio State than trademarking the word the what's next um i i just i get a kick out of that um it was the right call it was the right oh, call. there's no question there's and no question. i mean trying to trademark literally and i looked it up just to be on the safe side i googled what like the in order what are the rankings what yeah. are the power rankings of the most popular <laughs> most common words in the english language and number one the, the. Mm -hmm. And so, and I know it's different than the, I know. They, they say the, right. even though they spell it the, whatever, but this was obviously the right call. This was a ridiculous thing. This really shows the ego in, not just on the NCAA side, but in just in colleges. But I mean, in, in the States, colleges are such a big thing. I still don't understand the whole thing. Why everyone gives a shit what college you went to. Like when I'm watching Sunday Night Football, it, as a Canadian, it's weird to me to see them just like it's such a big deal. That's You say your name and one other thing, yeah. and it's not your height, it's not your weight, it's not the team you play for, it's not your position. It's an ego thing. It's, who, it's an ego thing in regard to the schools that are represented. But you why, know, the, why, the Ohio why is, State's why, local... Why? Why is well, because such a big thing? Remember a couple of weeks ago, the last time we got together, we went through the 10 top programs yeah. of, the, of, the, of the last 150 years. And you knew, you knew all eight of them except for seven and 10. And seven was Yale and 10 was North, North Dakota, Dakota State. State. Yeah. But the other eight are all big time blue bread, 
you know, it's Alabama, it's it's Notre Dame, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan, it's Texas, it's Oklahoma, it's it's Nebraska and USC. I think I got them all right there. But that's an eagle thing down there. But even when I watched Sunday Night Football, some of them didn't go to college. Some of them, uh, this high school yeah. or some like some little college that right. no one cares about. It's they still say it. Like, why do you have to say it? Why does everyone care? I still don't know why college, even the big college football things are such a big deal and why the stadiums are bigger than the NFL. I still don't understand that. But even if you if they just went to high school and didn't go to college, they went to some little college, it's still the thing. Like, I, I would get more out of it if they said their position or they said their hometown even. Like, that stuff would make more sense to me. If they said their friggin' eye color, it would make more sense to me <laughs> than the school they went to. Well, this will fry your mind. Back in the 70s, when I really started watching college football for the first time, introductions would take 15 minutes because they'd roll every guy out and you'd get up there and you'd go, Chris Fluke, defensive end, University of Texas. And they'd, in, and they'd put the camera on each guy. Wow. And they'd do it for both teams. So they'd do it for the offensive side of one team and a defensive side on the other team. And it'd roll out everybody. And the guy would run out and it would start with the coach, uh, Woody Hayes. Head coach, Ohio State. And then they'd go on to the quarterback and they run blah, yada, yada. And it just was went on and on and on. And, and that's where it started. And it's been that same way for the, for the remaining, for the last 40 years that I've been watching, it's been the same damn thing. It doesn't take as long now. And they do it, you know, with the television graphics. But they used to in the 70s, when I first started watching on ABC College Football Saturdays, they would sit there and they would introduce the offense of one team and the defense of another team, and they go through all 22 names. Wow. But, I mean, yeah, and that's dumb enough, too. And then LeBron trying to trademark Taco Tuesday because he likes to talk about it on Twitter a bit. That Like, that's like me trying to trademark Butter Chicken Mondays. Like, it doesn't make any... It's like, it's not even... And, I, and I'm not one of these, you know, far left people that cares about cultural appropriation. I don't care. I think I, if anything, I actually saw Penn Jillette recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he pointed out it's actually more beautiful if someone with no intrinsic tie to some sort of cultural thing likes something. Like, I mean, there's a there's a chef in Chicago, some random white guy who is a big time Mexican food chef, and he has no he wasn't born in Mexico. He doesn't have Mexican background. He just loves Mexican food and became a world-class Mexican food chef. And then people were protesting like, oh, that's not your food. And meh. it's like, fuck you. Anyway, but so, <laughs> so I have no problem with LeBron liking tacos. I mean, tacos are one of my absolute top three, top five foods or suppers to eat. But uh, I mean, trying to trademark it was just stupid. It's the, it, But frankly, it's the exact same thing as Ohio State trying to trademark the it's ego, like you say. I mean, like LeBron just think LeBron's not used to many people telling him no. There you go, right there. So I, oh, I'm just going to, no one ever resists anything I do. I'll just ask for this. I'll just ask for that. I'll just, you know, how far can I push it? It's like a, it's like a toddler. Yeah. You know, how far can I push it without getting any sort of resistance? And uh, I, I'm so glad that the, once again, government and politicians did the right thing, shockingly. And uh, now we have to cheer for politicians over athletes in schools, apparently, because they appear to be the right side. We welcome you to this 390th episode of Unscripted. And uh, Mike and Chris here with you. Training camps opened throughout the National Hockey League on Thursday as they uh, started with team physicals. Most teams then hit the ice on Friday for the first time. And I can honestly say this as we sit here. Uh, Friday being yesterday, we're, we're, uh, 
broadcasting here on Saturday, the Ottawa Senators still have a chance. Not much of one, <laughs> but they still have a chance. Oh, you mean the team that won't even name a captain? You you think they're going to do so? They can't even name a captain? <laughs> they're going to make great decisions all over the place? But right now, as we sit here on the 14th of September, um, the Ottawa Senators have the same record right now as the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they have a chance, right? Wrong. Um, but the big news on Friday, obviously, we have been waiting for this domino effect to fall. And I'm so glad it did because now here in Canada, we don't have to hear about it endlessly from the Toronto Sports Network. Back in June, supposedly, the Toronto Maple Leafs offered restricted free agent Mitch Marner a deal with an average annual value of $11 million. He signed with the Maple Leafs finally on Friday for a little bit less Six years, $65.36 million. It came out to about $10.38 million a season, something like that. A little less than $11 million a year. But hopefully now, this will open the floodgates and that Yahoo in Calgary and that Yahoo in Vancouver and that Yahoo and every other place that's been waiting for the Marner domino to fall, now maybe we can get these guys signed, sealed, and delivered and get these guys into training camp. Oh, I hope. Matthew Kachuk holds out forever, and I hope he just <laughs> stays at home. You know, I don't know what he's staring at the wall or trying to get out of a Chinese torture device or something. That piece of shit. Anyway, I hope he never plays again. He holds out and thinks he's hot shit. But yeah, I, I was sick to death of the Marner story, and of course, since it was a Toronto story, it was just everywhere all the oh, time. It was, and they every were, time. Oh. You, I'm sorry, but every time you turn on TSN, there was always an update. And we've got this news about the Marner situation. And then they brought the, the kid on, Kyle Dubas. And then they bring on Shanahan. And then they bring on... And then Shanahan the other day wanted to talk about, well, we're coming up with a C. And they don't care a damn about who they're giving the C to. They wanted to hear about where we are with the Mitch Marner thing. So now it's finally done. Thank God. Is he worth $10.38 million a year? Probably not. But it's the going rate. And he got less than $11 million, so I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, I don't really blame the Leafs for giving them. The, I mean, they wanted to get all their guys signed. They seem to have a decent core, and they're all signed long-term now. They finally got it all done, all the guys that they wanted, and that's great. But yeah, I mean, it's I, and I'm, I'm as much as I'd love to fault Kyle Dubas, I can't really. I mean... I mean, what was he going to get him? So I think it was 10.893 or something. Whatever. So, but I mean, so what do you expect to get? If if he gets them for 10.5, is that, you know, does that make the, the, the cap that much easier to manage? If they get them for 10 flat, like it's not really, a few hundred thousand is not a big deal. I mean, I'm not faulting him at all, but, uh, and if the market says to pay him that, that's great. I mean, there's going to be a lot of NBA players who, oh. who don't have nearly the talent of Mitch Marner, who, and Mitch Marner to me is not that amazing, but I mean, he's better than a lot of NBA players who are going to make a lot more money and on pure, totally 100% guaranteed deals at that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not like Mitch Marner is the worst deal in sports or anything, but he's 22 years old and I don't know if he's that good. Well, I do want to say this, and I'd, I'd really appreciate your comments after this, but I know that Babcock has an eight-year deal. I also know that this is about year five of that eight of that eight year deal, and you know the 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 universe. If you talk to a person from the GTA, the universe rotates around the GTA, which from outsiders means the Greater Toronto Area. A lot of people believe that the Sun 
rises and sets on Toronto. They're legends in their own mind. Just ask them. But I think in now season five of an eight-year deal, and you now have Marner under contract, you got Tavares last year, had a good year. You got Austin Matthews. You've got the other guy. Who's the guy I'm thinking about? That's Nylander. Nylander. That took him a while. He didn't sign until January last year, but they got his deal done. This is a team that now has all the parts, I think. I think even Babcock needs to be under some pressure this year. I think Babcock's one of the better coaches in the National Hockey League, but there has got to be some pressure. There aren't many teams, top to bottom, 1 to 25, that have as much talent as the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think it's time. Toronto, the last couple of years, has been very good in the regular season, but dog shit in the postseason. Dog shit with a capital D and a capital S. Dog shit. And I think that the pressure now is on Shanahan, Dubas, and uh, Babcock. They have got to win a couple playoff series. This is a franchise that hasn't won a Stanley Cup since 67. They, the way that they're reported about here in Canada, you'd think that they have won 19 Stanley Cups since 1967. And the problem is they haven't made the playoffs 19 times since 1967. But with this team and with this coaching staff, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and this will be the last one of the last things I say about Toronto Maple Leafs because A, I hate them, and B, I don't care about them. But I think that the Maple Leafs have to win a couple of playoff series this year for it to be a successful year in Toronto. Oh, I agree. And I feel like this might end up being another Calgary Flames situation where they're looking great in the regular season and they just crash and burn the playoffs. They don't have that traditional rock-solid foundation on the back end. I mean, I like Freddie Anderson well enough, and I know they've got a couple decent defenders, but they don't really... They don't exactly have that whole Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer, Martin Brodeur got that back right. end that now, I mean, if you have enough going on elsewhere, you can be like a Detroit Red Wings, maybe. I mean, they won cups with Chris Osgood. So I Mike mean, Vernon. And yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can do it, but it's tough. And uh, I mean, they should be good enough to win some playoff series as long as they don't play the Boston Bruins. But, uh, you know, <laughs> they sure can't seem to beat that team. But I just, they, they're spending a lot of money on sexy named forwards. And it's, it's risky. I, I mean, it's good for them that the league is going to smaller, faster, more skill. I appreciate that. Marn, that really helps Mitch Marner, especially. Uh, you still got all those other guys that they're all signed now. So the thing is, but now that they're all signed, now there's no excuses. I mean, if you if you decide you can't sign or can't afford Marner and you trade him and you get some good pieces in return, okay, so then then you have to, uh, you know, put your name on that. And Kyle Dubas's career hinges on that. But now he has made the decision to sign Marner. That's great. He was able to get him signed, but there was nothing that said he had to get him signed, especially when he signed the three other guys too. So the fact that he's committed to all four of them and got them all under salary cap is great, but now you have to ride or die with those guys. And I don't know, as well, as good as those four guys are, without really having mind-blowing defense and goaltending, is that going to be enough to win a cup? I don't think it is. And if it's not, Kyle Dubas, I think he's out. And I mean, it's okay because he's only five, so he's got a good seven, <laughs> 70 years left as an NHL executive. But I don't see them winning a cup at all. And I think, yeah, at minimum, they need to win some playoff series. And if they don't, uh, Kyle Dubas and probably Brennan Shanahan. Uh, and 
Uh, they've got to be gone for sure. And Mike Babcock, even though I don't think he's the problem at all, we already saw last year, uh, you know, fickle Toronto Maple Leafs fans turning on their big fancy free agent signing coach. And uh, if things don't go well, the fans in Toronto are going to turn on Babcock even more than they did last year. And then it's just a complete disaster. Uh, a couple other news and notes from the National Hockey League, and I'm so happy that they have reported for training camp. Um, I guess, what, about the 10 days into October or so is is uh, when the season will start. Um, for Winnipeg Jets fans, uh, head coach Paul Maurice wants everybody to make sure that you're all okay and you're not jumping off the MTS Center in Winnipeg or whatever it is. But Dustin Bufflin has been granted a personal leave of absence from the team. Maurice came out yesterday and made a statement saying everything is fine, nothing sinister going on. He wouldn't go any further than that. But again, Dustin Bufflin will be there opening night for sure for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's good news there. Um, Also, it was funny, in their first... And I wish Ryan Hall was here. We uh, were certainly glad and and appreciative of Ryan's contribution to some shows here recently as we got into our third year of Unscripted. But Ryan, of course, is a big L.A. Kings fan. It was funny. Drew Doughty, Doughty, excuse me, in his first press conference since reporting to training camp for the L.A. Kings, he says, and I quote, since we last won the cup in 2014, it's been shit around here, end quote. Um, The L.A. Kings were the last team they ended up last place in the western conference last year and i still think that there are some obviously tangible pieces in los angeles i still like the los angeles kings uh they were my team for many many years but then the vegas golden knights came on board and well of course i'm going to switch allegiance because well i'm kind of that kind of guy uh but you look at the la kings new coach Former San Jose Shark and Edmonton Oiler coach Todd McClellan takes over this year. You still got Jeff Carter there. You still got Kopitar there. You still got, hopefully, uh, an improved Jonathan Quick. Uh, I do believe at the end of last year, uh, Quick had lost his confidence a little bit. But this is the guy that backstopped them to a cup in 2012 and a cup in 2014. I still think this is a good, a potentially good hockey team. But they are getting old in the tooth. And I think that with all these players that I've just mentioned, if they get off to a slow start, it could be a pretty much a yard sale in Los Angeles in regard to teams picking over the leftovers in La La Land. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I, at what point do you have to look at Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake and wonder if they know what the fuck they're doing when they're not skating around on the ice in their prime? Because I don't know that I still remember that Kovalchuk deal who, uh, you know, what was that, 7 million here times 3 or whatever that was? 5, five yeah, it was 15 million for 3 years. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I something like more that. Than that. Jeez. But anyway, so they haven't made the best decisions. The teams went from 2 cups in 3 years and looking like a revitalized powerhouse to all of a sudden they suck. And they, they need to get it together, honestly. And I, I you talk about holding the feet to the fire in Toronto. LA is no different at all. And they, they need to get serious. And you're right. Yeah, if things don't go well... I like Todd McClellan well enough. I like Todd McClellan, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, that's he's not... I think that's one of the tougher coaching jobs right now to take on. Oh, it is. I mean, he knows California. He coached in San Jose for seven years. So, and LA's, I know, a step up from there. But, uh, boy, I just, I don't see it going well. I don't think they're magically going to be good again with uh, largely the same roster and bring in McClellan, who's who's good, but he's not like a cutting-edge coach. Like, he's not 
he's not like a Sean McVay or something, right? right? He's not like he's coming not a in, difference maker. Like he even said, you know, he. he I remember was the last year or the year before in Edmonton, he came came out at a press conference and said, "I don't know what Corsi is and Fenwick is and all these advanced stats," and I'm like, "Uh, well, I appreciate your, you know, you think the kids are silly, but." Uh, you should really not disregard the advanced statistics and the advanced analytics. I, I think you need to at least know those things and what they are. I didn't like him saying that. Uh, I know you've been around the game for a long time and you're a hockey guy, but, you know, Jeff Fisher was around football for a long time. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm not going to quite put Todd McClellan in that territory, but it's it's kind of the same attitude. I mean, we've you know, in football and sports, and I mean, everyone knows Moneyball and how things have advanced. And I mean, even even poker I look at now, I mean, even a few years ago, things have changed. Never mind back in the day where it's a bunch of guys like, oh, I'll, you know, bluff and I'll, you know, whatever. And now all the top poker players are these 22-year-olds who have computer programs that help them figure out the best odds and the best way to play each individual situation. And it's completely a new game. And and I just don't think that without the money ball, embracing that type of stuff, which even Dave Tippett, the new Edmonton coach, he's an old hockey guy, but apparently he's very into that stuff. He came out and said that he, in, in the 90s, he was already making spreadsheets uh, and uh, you know trying to follow this stuff, and they didn't have the same technology they have now. But I think you have to embrace the new way of doing things. If you want to marry that to the old way, that's great. Otherwise, the money balls... Um, the Sean McVeigh's, what is his name? Billy Bean, I guess, was the Billy money Bean, ball, yeah. right? The Sean McVeigh's, all these guys are gonna pass you, and I just, I don't think that McClellan is necessarily the right choice here. And L.A. could, I just don't see them turning around. I think it's more likely that we have a yard sale or a fire sale, like you said there. And I'm not overly optimistic about the L.A. Kings this year. Um, <clears throat> this. Uh... We've got to get running here on this uh, 390th episode as we get ready for our our uh, getting back to Freeform Friday, which I'm looking forward to. But this just really surprised me, this story that I read. Um, after a 35-year career in baseball, including being the general manager for both at one time the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers, Ned Coletti, is this is this guy's name? He has just been hired as a scout for the San Jose Sharks. How in the hell do you do that? Now I get it. When you're a baseball general manager, you spent time scouting. There's no question about it. You're, that's part of the you know the staircase to heaven, if you will. You start as as an area scout, and then all of a sudden you ascend up the up the ladder. But here's a guy who again had 35 year career in baseball. He made it all the way to the general manager of the San Francisco Giants. And then, as well, he was the general manager for a time with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now Ned Coletti has been hired to become a scout for the San Jose Sharks. I could see that if it was another uh, baseball situation. If If it was another baseball situation, it wouldn't be in the news. But I just don't know how you go from baseball to being a scout, scouting the great game of hockey. I just, I, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Maybe you have, I don't know. But I am surprised a guy that had ascended to the top of two highly acclaimed baseball organizations now wants to be a scout for the San Jose Sharks. That surprises me a little. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd have to know his background in fairness. However, more than likely, this is just a, a stupid hire by stupid executives who think that certain managerial traits are just interchangeable. Like, it's really strange. I understand someone like a Ralph Kruger, who's a genius, uh, was able to transition between hockey and soccer. Now, those are more similar games. They're fluid games. Right. They're, they're, there's a lot of similarities, even though there's a lot of differences, too. I get that. But baseball and hockey are just, I mean... Night and day. That's apples and oranges completely. And to me, it's like I've worked for companies where they'll parachute in a manager from a different industry because they are a manager, and I'm using air quotes right now, like they manage, they know right. they know how to manage. Right. And then they come in there, but they don't know the industry. And so it, it, it it's really weird to me when companies do that. Like I want, people should work their way up. They should anyway, but if they work their way up in the industry, then you can, you know, find people that do that and then that have people skills and, and mentor skills and coaching skills and can, can bring people up like that. But if you're one of these idiot egghead suits empty suits and you're running you know you're some big wig executive who wears a tie every day and works for the san jose sharks uh and you're just an idiot i can see how you would think oh well this guy's a scout he's got lots of scouting experience like scouting is this magical thing where you're some sort of oracle soothsayer who just like stares at people and magically knows how good they are at anything it doesn't make any fucking sense in the real world and this is just another example of why corporate ninnies are stupid and why most people who run companies are stupid uh, the onion uh, years ago in 2011 i guess they had a they had a headline after steve jobs died where it says world mourns death of last person who knew what the fuck he was doing <laughs> you know and it's like it's like that it's like these people everyone's just fucking guessing and just <laughs> was just wading their way through the world and they have no idea what they're doing and this is just an example of how stupid most corporations are this guy could work in calgary this guy oh, could absolutely this guy, whoever made this hire should come and work for oil and gas in calgary sure It'd be perfect he fit right in before we get out of here on this edition of Unscripted, as Chris uh, prepares us for another edition, as I mentioned, of Freeform Friday, um, I just I have to make quick. This has now become, this has now become my whatever. I just can't believe this continues to happen, and I don't begrudge the people it's happening to, but I I just don't think it's the right vehicle, if you will. Since the last time Chris and I got together, President Trump has awarded another Medal of Freedom. This time to Jerry West, the all-time... He's the logo. He's the NBA logo. Jerry West was the all-time great Laker, um, as both obviously as a player and as a general manager. Then he went and he was the general manager for years of the Memphis Grizzlies, made them competitive when no one thought anybody could make them competitive. Then he was in a special advisor the last couple of years to the Golden State Warriors during their great run. And now he's doing the same thing. And it, and in reading some stories in the LA Times, Jerry West was very influential in getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to the Clippers, as now Mr. West is a consultant to Steve Ballmer with the Los Angeles Clippers. But I just, again, I don't mean any disrespect to Mr. West and the other recipients that have recently gotten the same award, one being, of course, Eldrick Woods and the other being Mr. Bob Cousy. And my question still the same is, though, why? Why are these guys considered heroes? 
because one can hit a golf ball 350 feet or yards. Another guy, the other two guys can do amazing things with the basketball back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I just don't quite understand that. I don't think I ever will. And I, again, I don't want it to come off as it's sour grapes from me. But again, I just think that if you're giving out the Congressional Medal of Freedom, it should be to a legitimate hero. It should be to somebody that saved lives as a military member in a war zone in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever, um, or somebody that did something to save lives. I mean, we just had the, uh, what, 19th year, uh, maybe it was a 19th or 18th year reunion or anniversary of 9-11, uh, where they were, you know, they went into the, the towers and I mean, there weren't some heroes there that you could give this award to if you felt that you had to. This is the highest award that a, a U.S. civilian can attain. And again, no disrespect to Woods, Cousy, or now Mr. Jerry West, but is the world different if these three guys hadn't done what they did in their respective sport? I don't think so. I really don't. What these heroes do in 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 again in a war zone or in 9/11, the, you know, back in on September 11th, 2001, where they blew up downtown New York City and and uh, the Pentagon and and all the other damage that they did that that disastrous day in US history. There have to have been a few heroes there. Um Again, congratulations to the three, but I just don't quite understand the reasoning of giving the most, the most highest recognized civilian award in U.S. government that you can give, and they're giving it to ex-jocks. I don't quite understand that. Yeah, and now in fairness, this is not something that uh, you know Trump invented or anything here. If you look back at who has been winning this award over the years— uh, for a long time, it's just been big celebrities. It's just been just a way. It's like it's like become an award that society awards to its heroes yeah. in place of real heroes. I mean, you've got even just Barack Obama, like Robert Redford, Robert De Niro, Tom Hanks. Like, why are these people? Like and again, I'm not taking a shot at these three guys. I just wonder what the curriculum is. To win. Oh, yeah. Look, if somebody, even if you don't think you deserve it, if somebody, if the president of the United States offers you the presidential medal of freedom, right. well, what are you going to say? No. Well, exactly. I, of course, you're going to, I don't blame these people. I'm not begrudging them. I just want to know what the requirements are to be uh, potentially recognized as this award winner. Because again, I think that there are more qualified candidates to win this award than ex-jocks that can shoot a ball, hit a ball, kick a ball, whatever. Sure. That's and, all I'm saying. Sure. And I mean, same thing with actors who Correct. just act in Absolutely. movies. I mean, they I mean, I think Ronald, or excuse me, I think uh, Robert Redford, as you mentioned, obviously made a lot of iconic films that we still enjoy today. But did that save lives from all the films that Robert Redford made in his life? No. I mean, if I had to look at one, so Lyndon Johnson in 1969 gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Bob Hope. Now, Bob Hope, Bob, at least, go ahead, at please. least, right? Yep. I mean, he was known for going and, and you know entertaining the troops, and he was heavily involved in that. Absolutely. So at least, and he and he was a true legend, even besides that, obviously. But I mean, at least there, there's a tie-in to contributing in some way to the troops and to you know around the world and all that. So. If you want to give it to somebody, I mean. If you feel that you have to, and under the under the category of celebrity, you'd have to give it now. What is it when the guy is it post 
Posthumous. Posthumous, thank you. Um, you'd have to give it posthumously to Robin Williams, but Robin Williams spent a lot of time, a lot of time with the troops mm-hmm. overseas in Iraq and and uh, Afghanistan and uh, in a lot of different uh, uh, very difficult areas of the world. So I would consider that something that you give it to a, a Robin Williams or give it to the Robin Williams family now for what he did for his country. I think that would be a legitimate. Bob Hope, as you mentioned, was, was legitimate because he spent a lot of his time entertaining the troops on USO tours in Vietnam. Um, he went to different places. He went to Da Nang. Um, so, you know, that was legitimate. Has Tiger Woods spent any time? Well, okay, hold on. Before I, yeah, I better watch what I say here. But yes, has Tiger Woods spent time in Thailand? Yes, but that's because his mother is Thai. Um, but did he entertain any of the troops? Hell no. Um, so again, I, I know I get on my soapbox, and I spent eight years in the military, and I spent 180 days in a war zone during the first legitimate uh, uh, Gulf War one. Uh, under the elder Bush, uh, meaning George Herbert, no, whatever, doesn't matter, the first Bush. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I take that personally, but I just think that uh, I'd like to see what the requirements are. I just don't think that celebrities, movie stars, athletes have done anything. If they go over, if if Tiger goes over and shows the troops in Afghanistan how to hit a sand wedge, then you're doing something because there's a lot of sand over there. I know I've been there. There's a lot of sand to work on your sand game, but uh, I just, that bothers me a little bit. And again, no disrespect to Mr. West, Mr. Cousy or Tiger Woods. Chris brings up a great point. If somebody is offering you that, what are you going to say? No, of course you're not. But I just would like to know what the requirements are. We've got to run on this uh, 390th episode of Unscripted. Certainly enjoyed it. Look forward to Freeform Friday. Chris is prepping for that as we speak, so I'll get us out of here right now. Um, We thank everybody for participating, as always, and hope that you continue to do so. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.